0: The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Excellent. Wowee, that was a big introduction. And it actually, it's not surprising at all, I'm usually called Mandy's husband, and they come running towards me and I think they're coming to say hello to me and they just go past me, straight to Mandy. But I don't have a problem with it, really. No, I don't. I've had therapy. I'm fine. Uh, everything's good. Well, it's, it is wonderful to be here with you and uh, I obviously have a long-standing relationship and f- great friendship with uh, Hillary and Dash. And uh, in some ways uh, with others in the church that are here as well. But with the church, vicariously through them, I've been hearing about what's happening here and what you do, and your heart for the community, your heart to show Jesus, to represent Jesus in this area, and uh, just to be a a great light for him, and that's just such a wonderful thing. What a great privilege we have to do that in church. Uh, I was going to start by saying, I'm Ken and I'm your friend. That sort of goes with uh, hip-hop, you know, yo, I'm Ken, I'm your friend. Uh, so yes, Embassy is traditionally a hip-hop church. Uh, Mandy and I are neither hip-hop uh, nor islander uh, and that was sort of the marriage of the senior pastors that were there six years ago before we started uh, at the church. Uh, the uh, wife Moira, she was Samon and uh, Evan, the, uh, he was the senior pastor along with Moira. Uh, he was right into hip-hop so the church was really founded on that and that was the the sort of the the mix uh, these days uh, it's quite a bit more uh, multicultural and uh, so we fit right in and uh, and we still have hip-hop uh, we still have uh, some songs uh, in rap and uh, really we've just come to realize that that is just a fantastic way like all of us we have our ways of expressing uh, what God has given us in worship and whatever and uh, we just love uh, that that ministry and uh, the fact that there's quite a few a number of leaders in our church that lead up the Crosswords ministry, which is a hip hop ministry in Sydney. In fact, it's quite a worldwide thing. Uh, I'm a little bit disappointed today in Hillary not telling me about the pink theme. Uh, I mean, Michael's got a pink shirt, Crystal's sort of pinkish, and Hillary. I would have worn my you know Ralph Lauren pink. Polo shirt with the massive logo you know those ones actually i don 't have one uh, but I would have wore or like I would have rushed out and got one if I knew so f- thanks if you 're thinking if you 're at home and you 're thinking he 's out of the spirit, you 're probably right uh, and i've also realized just uh, worshipping isn't worshiping amazing uh, It was almost enough when we had to wear masks and couldn 't worship. It was almost enough for me to sign up at my local uh, churches. Creative team, worship team, and uh, I went started going through the process. I went to the first interview, and they didn't get back to me. So uh, I'm still just behind the mask, like you. I noticed when we didn't have to wear masks for two weeks uh, that I'm standing there and I didn't even sing, like I'd forgotten that I could sing. And so i just so quickly we're conditioned to. Uh, so I'm just warning you: when we can sing again, you're going to. Probably, like me, go through a real challenge of uh, singing again, and when I did realize by the sec halfway through the second song that it 's all right to sing, I shut my eyes to sing, and i couldn 't remember the words it 's been that long, so we 've got a few things uh, that we 've got to get ready for i uh, recently I had a problem uh, just it 's one of many, so don 't worry. Uh, I found myself struggling with trusting God. Now you think, well, Ken looks amazing, you know, he doesn't look like he's got any faults or failings, you know, he's a senior pastor, he must be amazing. Uh, Yes, I'm confessing to you this morning that I had trouble trusting God God. and I had this uh, situation with some of the close relationships in my life that I was trying to... Uh, fix some stuff that was going on now, I told Mandy that I was going to mention this, and she said to tell everybody that it wasn 't with her all right i didn 't have a, it wasn 't Mandy and my problem. there was other relationships people that we knew people in our lives, close relationships and there was stuff going on and i 'm usually sort of a you know I like the, to keep the peace I guess I like to be in good relationship with people and these some of these relationships were going a little bit harsh and it was about, a, there was a third party involved as well and I found myself trusting or trying to trust God but trusting more in my own ability to make the situation right. You know how we all really want to get things right, we want to make sure that the outcome is the outcome we want it to be and I was confident that God wanted the same outcome as me but he was a bit slow in getting together so I thought I'd step in and help God, you never ever done that? and i just realized that i was not trusting god i wasn't able to get through this and i i found myself it was it was taking its toll on me it was starting to get quite distressing keeping me awake at night trying to work out a way trying to it was a, it was changing the dynamic of the relationships that i was having And I've got a bit of uh, counselling experience. I tried a little bit of those techniques on myself, you know, healer, heal thyself, didn't work. So uh, nothing to do with counsellors because ultimately that's where I ended up. But I tried it on myself and and it just didn't work. I prayed, I tried to work out the solution, talked to Mandy about it and she had a much better perspective than me. But I was stuck, I found myself like I was at a roadblock of someone who could trust God, should trust God but was struggling because it wasn't working out the way I was expecting it should. And I wanted to, in many ways, be the rescuer and sort it out myself. So we were talking to our supervisor, Mandy and I, uh, every six weeks or so, we have a ministry supervisor, fantastic, just checking up, making sure we're leading out of a healthy place. And she was asking me how I was going and I was just telling her how I was going and at the end of what I said, she said, Ken, it sounds like you're in a lot of pain. I said, really? Really? I I, I didn't know I was letting that on. And so she thought that I should uh, go and see a counsellor. So all of the time, you know, the people that pastors, you should tell their people, go and see a counsellor. I did it. I went and saw a counsellor. I had a great time with this guy. It was on a Zoom. Go figure. Uh, he just unpacked things. He helped me just sort of uh, to declutter and and just to to take away the the mess that I'd got myself into in my mind. Just as we finished, he said, Can you know that what you need to do is to put these relationships under the lordship of Jesus? And whilst I appreciated everything that he'd said before then, at that point, I felt like there was this weight that just dropped from my shoulders. It wasn't over by any means but it was the beginning. Of course, to put something under the lordship of Jesus is to recognise that God is in charge and that his time is perfect and that he is sovereign and that he loves me and that he wants things to work out well and that he's got a bigger purpose than I could ever imagine. Really, to put things under the lordship of Jesus is to trust him and to be obedient to him. Wow, so it was, a, it was a relief to me to know that and, and since that time I've often prayed, usually daily around our devotion time, Lord, I put this relationship, the main one, under the lordship of Jesus and I put the other relationship, the third party and what I can't control and what I have no opportunity to, to get clarity or certainty on, I place that under your lordship. I was reading recently... And it fits right into this. Uh, Timothy Keller, who is a, a fantastic uh, writer, he, write, he we're reading a devotion written by him at the moment from the Psalms, and it's uh, quite incredible. He says this: "God is God, and we are not." Now I know that's profound, but when you think about it, often we try and be God in our situations, because we want clarity, we want certainty, we want to be in control. And so even if we started out trusting God, it doesn't take very long before we're taking it back and saying, no, I can do a better job than this, in this than you, God. Now that sounds bizarre, right? But that's what we do. So Timothy Keller, God is God and we are not. I think if you can take that away today and think that God is God, let him be God, trust in him, put things under his lordship and you be you, do what you can do. Do the things that you can do, the things that are your responsibility and that relationship of trust is going to be a lot easier. Recently we moved uh, out of our family home which had been there for about 17 years, uh, trying on downsizing and uh, seeing how that was going to work for us. So we moved into a new location and we've got these new neighbors that that uh, really they're big and they're smelly, uh, so that's the only way I could put it uh, and I've got a picture there on screen. Uh, it's this big factory uh, behind us, and we look out of our one of our sort of the aspects of our thing and that's our neighbor very urban, very very uh, and the smell fortunately. Uh, is coffee. They make coffee. It's bushels, uh, and they make coffee and they make tea. And we just get this, you know, if the wind's blowing our way, it's just this beautiful coffee roasting smell. Although Mandy says sometimes it smells like international roast, like as if they're burning it or something. So, I'm not really a coffee connoisseur, but but ultimately I do know that it's a smell of coffee. So, the other day I was sitting out on my uh, balcony. We were having lunch out there, which was fantastic, and. We looked over and the building there has this massive chimney. And just because you can't really get the perspective, the chimney is on top of a nine-storey building and it's 42 metres above the nine-storey building is the top of the chimney, right? So it's around about 80 metres, give or take, maybe a little bit more from the ground. And I didn't have the presence of mind. I'm very sorry I didn't. There was this guy scaling the chimney... And I didn't take a photo because I was too busy getting my binoculars to find out what the heck he was doing and how he was getting up that chimney. So it's got these pegs that go up the side of the chimney like you'd see on a telegraph post, right? And I look out there and from the distance with my naked eye, the guy is just climbing up those telegraph post holders, that's it, and that's all he's got. And it looked incredible and I thought this guy is Superman, you know, he's got this like nerves of steel, he's climbing this chimney. I got my binoculars and then I realised that he had ropes and he had a harness. And he would climb, uh, you know, a metre or two and then he'd stop. And he wasn't sort of even on the pegs, I'd be sort of trying to hug the chimney. He was sitting in the harness which is just attached to one rope, all I could see was one rope, and he's just sort of sitting there having a rest, and then he'd go again up the pole, he's climbing, 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 and then he'd rest, and he's just sort of sitting back in this harness, and he eventually got to the top, and then when he got to the top, he did even something stranger, he went right around, you can see there's like a a metal brace on the top of the chimney and he went right around the chimney the whole thing and it didn't look like he was on that rope that he was on before so I don't know how he was holding on but it was it was enough to almost put me off my food but I got through that's what I think trust is like Right? We, we have a goal in life. We have a hope. We have a hope in God. We have a hope for eternity. We have a hope just and a dream for next week or next year or it might be in every aspect of our life. We've got this aim, place that we're heading for and trust is ultimately going to get us there. It's going to be the times that when we don't understand what's happening or when we're full of fear... Or we have uncertainty in our life where we don't, we don't have a solid place to put our feet. And yet trust, we can just sort of relax back in like a harness. We can just think, it's okay. I'm going to get to where I'm going. God is in control and I'm safe. The Bible uh, says this in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. This is the Christian Standard Bible. In all your ways, know him. Not just acknowledge, but know him. And he will make your paths straight. See, the thing is that there's this Drive within all of us to to know in our mind, in our understanding where things are at so we can feel this sense of certainty. I have a friend at the moment that uh, she is very healthy, she's about my age, she eats right, she exercises regularly, she looks like a million dollars, she's just found out she's got stomach cancer. And of course the first response is, I don't deserve this. I don't live the life that demands that stomach cancer is the result. What is happening, God? You may be very faithful with your giving, with your money. You might budget well. You might do everything you need to do. You feel like not just giving with your money but giving with your time and giving with your skills and what you can do for God and the kingdom. And yet you lose your job or your finances crash. A pandemic hits, and you think, I, "I don't live the life that deserves this outcome." Maybe sometimes you look at the Bible and you read some of the Old Testament, and you think, "Whoa, that that doesn't look like God to me." Like, "Where's Where's our loving God, full of grace and mercy?" Timothy Keller again uh, comments on on uh, chapter thirteen, Psalm chapter thirteen. And he says, it's a, it's a plea for deliverance from King David. And David says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day? How long will my enemy dominate me? It's those sorts of questions that I'm sure you might not be exactly those but you're probably asking those questions or you have asked those questions because of the simple fact that things happen to us that we don't think we deserve and we don't feel like God is there. Just later on in that passage he says, David says this, but I have trusted in your faithful love and my heart will rejoice in your deliverance. So what I've come to realise through all of my experience and the stuff that life throws our way based on a biblical outcome is that trust isn't just nice to have, trust is a must have. We must have trust. We must be able to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lead not on our own understanding I want to take this idea of trust because trust you know is just sort of putting your faith in something like we've been talking about with that concept of a rope and a harness and it in a place but Charles uh, Feltman who uh, wrote a book the thin book of trust now I haven't read it I haven't seen it so I don't know if it's a play on words it might be this massive bible sized uh, book but he calls it the thin book of trust it could be thin but this is what he says, trust, in defining trust, he says trust is choosing to risk making something you value vulnerable. Okay, so choosing to risk making something you value vulnerable to another person's decisions. That's that's deep trust, isn't it? And it's probably something we do just about every day and it's probably something that you've done and been hurt by, and actually, I'm never going to do that again. And he says the definition of distrust is to not allow anybody to to take anything that you value, maybe because you've been hurt or it hasn't worked out the way you thought. But in the context, when we talk about this with handing over our trust and trusting in God and and trusting Jesus and, and his work in our life, Let's read it again. It says, choosing to risk, making something you value, and it might be your, your dreams and your future and your health and everything that's about you, making it vulnerable to God's decisions. Now, we think sometimes that vulnerability is a sign of weakness, and so we step away from that. But Brene Brown, who's a great researcher, she says vulnerability... Is actually the greatest indicator of courage. So, actually, to take our situation, like mine that I mentioned at the beginning, to take my situation that I couldn't control even though I wanted to, and to trust God, to put it under His Lordship, to realize that He's God and I'm not, and to give what I value, which is that relationship, which is the outcome which is control what I value and to make it vulnerable to him by saying this is yours God, heal me, help me, I want to trust you. That's trust in the Lord with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. Peter ends in a, a book that he's written called The Sin of Certainty he asserts that God desires our trust more than our correct beliefs. Now that's a big deal for us who are Christians and have been Christians for a long time. I know with certainty this is the way, this is going to happen, this is it. These are my rights, God. He says that in some way we need to disconnect or to decouple our faith in God with our thoughts about God. Our thoughts about God can be so limited by our, human, our humanity, our human understanding, and we get it mixed up and we think just because we're thinking thoughts that may not line up with what we believe and our faith that we get all mixed up and we feel like we're betraying our faith or that in fact we're losing our faith. He says we need to be able to think these thoughts and in them find God and trust him. So actually, by doing that and trusting God, we're actually establishing our faith. We're firming up our faith and our belief in him. I think one of the greatest uh, uh, people in the New Testament, of course, is Is the Apostle Paul and I'm sure that not too many people will disagree with that and uh, he writes uh, and just records the narrative in the book of Acts and we know that Acts you know is just a it's a timeline it's a chronological order of of the early church and from when Jesus left and the spirit came and then the way that the early church started and the men and the And their failures and their weaknesses and the way that they just tried this thing called church that nobody knew how to run. And sometimes you probably look at it now 2,000 years later and you think, yep, we're still in that boat. Not too quite sure how to run this show, particularly in a pandemic, right? Everything's not as we expected. Unprecedented is going to be one of those words go down in history as being a 2020 word. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 22 to 24, Paul gives us a little bit of insight, I think, into his ability and probably what made him uh, awesome and special was his ability to trust God. And it says this in verse 22, and now I'm on my way to Jerusalem, compelled by the Spirit, not knowing what I will encounter there, except that in every town the Holy Spirit warns me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. He doesn't know much, but he does know it's going to be bad. In fact, it could have been his final, it could have been his death, right? That bad, that's pretty bad. I think you'd agree. So he doesn't know the detail, but he knows it's going to be bad. And yet he says, I'm compelled to go. One translation, one's translation says, I feel led by the Spirit. And then he says, But I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course and the ministry I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. In Romans eight verse eighteen, it says Paul saying, "I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us." So, just three things it has to be a it can't be a good sermon without three points, right? So, just three points as we uh, as we finish up. When it comes to trust and trust in action and allowing. Trust to not just be a word that we know about, but a word that we actually have expressed in our lives, in our Christianity. The first thing is, I think we learn from Paul, is that we need to make a choice. And like me, I had to choose to put this stuff under the lordship of Jesus. I had to surrender the thing that was valuable to me and be vulnerable before God to allow him to make the decisions in the stuff that I had no control over and probably shouldn't have control over because if I did, I'd make a mess of it, right? We'd have to, it'd take longer than if we allow God to do it and we think that takes forever sometimes. So Paul made a choice. He said, I'm led by the Spirit despite what's going to happen. I don't know exactly what's going to happen but I know it's going to be bad. I'm going to go. Now, what I'm not saying is you wake up one morning and you felt like God's spoken to you and you go and do something. Like there's checks and balances, right? There's the word of God, there's the counsel of, of others, there's, there's understanding situation, there's protection of your family, there's looking after yourself, there's, there's all sorts of checks and balances that we need to do. But ultimately, the choice is ours to make. Will we trust God? Will we say yes? Will we give it to him? Even though it's feels like it's ours, it's my right. Paul did that and he did it well. He trusted God anyway and that's the choice. Though everything doesn't look like it should, even though it looks like it's not working out, will you trust God anyway? Will you choose to trust him? I want to be that person to choose, like Paul. The second thing is that Paul says this strange thing. It says in verse 24, but I consider my life of no value to myself. Now, I don't think Paul had a self-esteem problem. Like, he was pretty strong, right? He knew what he was doing. He was was right up front and in your face. Uh, I'm sure he had his moments of fear like all of us. But... What he's not saying is that he's of no value, but it's compared to the role that he has. He doesn't allow his thinking, he don't, like, like in, in uh, Proverbs chapter 3, not leading to his own understanding. He's not allowing those things to block what he's going to do. He, he values God, God's word, God's leading, and others. He shows empathy towards others, just like Jesus did, compassion and kindness, The role that Paul had, the duty that he had, the reason he needed to go to Jerusalem, the the call that he had on his life dictated to him that his life was of no value compared to what he needed to do for God. Of course we've got value, but we've got to balance these things up. And I think what this part is saying to us is that, that we value God and we value others And that will keep us in good stead to allowing trust to be cultivated in our lives. We need to develop this habit of trust rather than a habit of taking control. Some people say the best way to change a habit is to replace it with a new one. So if you do have a habit of taking control, running ahead of God, panicking about something and being full of fear, maybe the one that you could replace it with is trusting god in second corinthians 5 and verse 14 paul says for the love of god uh, the love of christ so his value of christ the love of christ compels him compels us since we have reached that conclusion that one died for all and therefore all died and later in that passage he says our our role verse 20 of being ambassadors For him, as if Christ himself was here. It's like we're there for others. We're there to help others to represent Jesus and to show them the love of Christ. And finally, to be authentic. Verse 24, the second part, Paul says, My purpose is to finish the course, the ministry I've received from the Lord. Really, as Christians, if we really want to be authentic, right, we know we've all got that ministry. We've all got the Ministry of Reconciliation. We've all been called to reconcile people to God and to be his representative. So really, that, that is us. That is thats is me. That's the real me. That's the authentic Ken, is to live a life like that. And of course, there's other things that make me more uh, or different to you, more individual. And that's fine. I need to be comfortable with that. Of course, we of this process of sanctification where we're allowing God to change us and to make us more like him. But I am me. And again, going back to that Timothy Keller thing is, God is God and I am not. But I am something. And I do have a purpose and a role in this process of trust, in this process of serving God with the call that he's given me on my life. I do have a part to play. And the more that I'm authentic and know who I am, and know what God's called me to be, then the more God will be able to work through me, and I believe that I will be able to trust him. Practicing a habit of trust. Could you imagine if we got this, like if each and every one of us really got this, the Lordship of Jesus thing. The things that we value to be vulnerable with them before God and, and others we trust. The community as well. Just imagine if we all just trusted God. When things happened in our life, our first port of call wasn't panic. Or our first port of call wasn't to blame someone. Or to blame God or, or to just go to pieces. But it was God, I don't understand it but I can't control it and I'm going to trust you. I'm halfway up this chimney and I'm going to rest in my harness because I know that I'm going to get to the top. I don't know how and I don't know why this has hit me halfway up, but I'm just going to rest and trust you. Just imagine if we all got that and understood. I'm going to finish with uh, an illustration from Mother Teresa. I'm going to go all Catholic on us. All right, I've been to you know Harvard professors, to Brené Brown, to you know Christian Timothy Keller, and you know Peter Enns. I might as well end with Mother Teresa, right? A guy called John Kavanagh. You might have read this because it is a well-known thing. He noticed uh, he was a, sorry. He was a noted and famous ethicist. He went to Calcutta. He was seeking Mother Teresa and more. He was in this place in his life where. He wanted to work out what he was going to do for the rest of his life and developing his career. It says here that he went for three months to work in the house of dying. I think that would give all of us a pretty unique perspective to find out how best he could spend the rest of his life. Mother Teresa met with him and she said to him, what would you like? How would you like me to pray for you? He then uttered the request that he had carried thousands of miles, he's probably rehearsing it in his mind, in the presence of Mother Teresa, what would I ask? And he said, I reckon it's a pretty safe thing, he said clarity. Pray that I have clarity. And Mother Teresa in her very caring, bent over, silent sort of way said no. I will not do that. Then she's getting a bit feisty. And of course he asked her, uh, why not? She said, clarity is the last thing you are clinging to and must let go of. And he said, he, he complained a little bit more and he said, you've always had clarity. Mother Teresa laughed, I'm sure in a very soft, gentle way. Trying to imagine him having a conversation with Mother Teresa. She said, I have never had clarity. What I have always had is trust. So I will pray that you trust God. Let's pray. Father, we uh, thank you for your word, we thank you that it is light to us. Lord, I pray for each and every one of us today that you would help us to trust God. We know that our trust is difficult to hold in tension at times because of what happens around us. We take it back, we trust ourselves, we trust others but we want to trust you. I pray, Lord, for us who have trusted and been hurt that you would bring healing so that we can trust again. For us who live a life of distrust that we would trust in God so that we truly can get to the place where we're going and what you have called us to and what you have for us. We thank you for even in the moment of trust, you have lessons and things to teach us so that we can let go of our clarity and our certainty and our need for control and truly be whole. We thank you for Jesus and the trust that he demonstrated in you, his Father. We pray that we will trust you like Jesus trusted you, and we would put our trust in Jesus as our Saviour and our Lord. Help us to trust you more, Lord. Give us courage. In Jesus' name, amen.